prayer. Father, we come before you today. Lord, I pray for, I pray for Tom at this time. I pray for the doctors working with him. I pray for Jane and the kids. I pray that you'd uplift their spirit. And Father, we're, we're trusting you today in the name of Jesus, praying, asking. Lord, do this for us. We don't know what your will is in this instance. That's why we pray. As Lord, we want you to know that, that we want your will to be, that you would reverse the effects of the COVID pneumonia that he has, that, that you would take away the fluid that's being an obstruction, that you would allow him to be weaned off the oxygen so he can get off the ventilator, and Lord, be restored to us. And uh, Father, we love you. We know that you are great. We know that you are good. And Lord, we love you whatever happens, but we would certainly like to glorify you uh, for acting on Tom's behalf and our behalf in restoring him to us. Father, we pray you'd be with us now as we enter the Lord's Supper together, for we ask it in Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. If you have your Bible with you, turn to the book of Exodus chapter 24. And I like that tagline. Maybe it ought to be our new motto that a church alive is worth the drive, and there's nothing that shows a live church better than dancing, and so I'm looking forward to the snowflake ball, and uh, uh, you know, even though they say they're going to teach us a new dance, I'm a little bit scared about that, but I, you know, I hope that you can join me, either bring your daughter, bring your granddaughter, bring, uh, you know, be a, be a um, just, just, just take care of one of the ladies that needs someone to take him out on a date that night. You know, one of our young ladies in the church and maybe doesn't have someone else available to do that and adopt, adopt one of the ladies to uh, come in with us. One of the things that Jane mentioned in her update was new appreciation for those that are in the medical field, what they have to, you know, what they have to deal with and how they're dealing with it. Um, and I think we have that appreciation also. One of the people in our church we have in a medical field is actually the main medical person kind of at uh, City Union Mission downtown. They are in need of um, over-the-counter medication stuff as well as some other things. So we're taking a donation that's out in the lobby. Maybe you want to be the miracle. You know, every time you give somebody the gospel and they actually get saved, you're that much of the miracle. Or you disciple somebody and they start growing, you are that much of the miracle. And we're not against being a miracle in very tangible ways. And they need over-the-counter medications. They need things like uh, gallon um, Ziploc bags and stuff like that. So there's a whole list uh, out there in the lobby by the bin. And we'll leave that up for a couple of weeks so you can um, have a chance to be able to do that. Exodus chapter 24. My thesis for today's study for the Lord's Supper is this. Your missing ingredient in spiritual victory may just be worship. Worship may be what you are missing. And if you had that right, you would have victory because victory starts with us drawing back to God and acknowledging the Holy Spirit's continuous presence so that we can have his power as we walk in him. And that means worship is not just something that you do on Sunday. Worship is something you should do every day. Because worship is a person to be adored. Worship is a relationship to be relished. Worship is a lifestyle to be lived. And that is why the psalmist states in Psalm 34 verse 1, 
I will bless the Lord when? At all times. And I, his praises shall continually be in my mouth. You know, I think we get so task-oriented in our culture. We get so task-oriented, we forget the person of the Lord. And so the missing ingredient, the missing component to your strength is your worship of him. And what protein and what nitric oxide and supplements are to a bodybuilder? Well, worship is to the believer. There on your handout, we put Hebrews 13, 15. I'm actually also going to read verse 16. I left that off. But Hebrews 13, 15 and 16 say, By Jesus, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But the other half is verse 16, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. And in the King James Bible context, that word communicate doesn't mean to share something verbally, to share information. It means to share money. He's saying, don't forget to give. Don't forget to take care of, in context Hebrews 13, take care of the body, take care of your ministry, take care of the ministers, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So God is still seeking those who worship him today. And I'll say he's not seeking worship specifically. I mean, he gets that from the angelic beings and uh, nature reflects worship to him. But he is seeking people. He is seeking humanity to devote their life to the purpose for which God created them, which is worship. So I invite you this Lord's Sunday to uh, Exodus chapter 24 for the Lord's Supper, which lays out for us the three components that make up worship. Verse 1, join me in verse 1 where it says, And God said unto Moses, Come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, that was Aaron's sons, also priests, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship you far off. So here's an invitation, come, well come all the way, because you can't come without worship. So come close enough to worship. Three components. Number one, a divine invitation. All worship is done at the invitation of God. So when you do not worship God, you are turning God down. You know, when you miss corporate worship with Christ's body, you as the betrothed bride are turning Jesus down. And I understand you can do that. You are an individual believer with your own conscience before God and your own free will, but you are also part of a bride. John chapter 4 verse 23 says, but the the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship God, worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. In Moses' day, that was kind of standoffish, but now Jesus has come and said, hey, It's not like that anymore. Everybody, not just Moses, not just Aaron and and, and his two sons, not even just the 70 elders. God is not standing up in the mount 
making you come to him, God is actively seeking people to worship him. And once you've contemplated the cross and what Jesus did to save you, where do you get off turning God down? So this is our first point for study. Walk in the Spirit so you can worship in the Spirit because then everything in your life becomes an invitation to meet God. It's like we, you know, like the praise team led us in singing today. Sometimes he calms the storm and sometimes he lets it rain. But God bids you into his presence with every experience of life. Can you take the randomness that he allows and even the no's that are his answer and create an order of service to worship? Now, there's a second component to worship as the missing ingredient of victory. Verse 7, Exodus 24, verse 7 tells us, And Moses took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people, and they said, All that the Lord hath said will we do and be obedient. So second, second, worship requires a personal submission. And you can't just make up something that suits you. And say, well, you know, Alan, that's what God told me. Well, book chapter verse that for me. Book chapter, BCV, book chapter verse. Because if you can't show me from the Bible, I don't think God told you that. I mean, I know what God says in his word. And and I know people, we don't like that because it does provide accountability. But it, it, you know, God is big enough to speak for himself. And he does that in scripture. So here's our second point for study. Read the word. And show you're serious about God's word by applying Bible principles in your practice. Receiving the word this Sunday is only one part of worship. Because the centerpiece of worship is what you do with the word during the week. So, today we've placed the Lord's table up here on the platform so you can see it. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that day when we get back to the de- where the deacons can help me serve you um, in the same way as they have in the past. And so let me just ask, all of you who are deacons who are in here, stand up. Just stand up where you're at so that everybody, at least in this service, can see. At least those who are deacons who are here in this service, stand up. Let everybody see who you are. I thank you. I appreciate you helping us out. And uh, thank you. You can sit down. There. You know, I... We, uh, every couple of years, we go through and do the deacon um, selection process again, and, and uh, we were on schedule to do that, I, but I just didn't feel uh, like it was fair, uh, given the conditions that we were under, so we're pressing uh, pause on that. Uh, you know, last Sunday, so we had over 400 people actually physically here for church last Sunday, but, you know, based on uh, Facebook and YouTube and other things that, you know, we've still got 25 to 30 percent. We've still got a quarter to a third of our congregations not here on any given Sunday. So I thought, well, let's let's take a moment and uh, press pause on that. As we get into the Lord's Supper, let's look at what the qualifications are, because the first question you may have is, am I welcome to partake? And if you are visiting, certainly you're free to, to watch, to listen, to touch, to pass the elements, to even partake 
And if you decide just to observe what we're doing and not partake for any reason, we, we honor your conscience in that respect, and we're just happy to have you here with us for what is a sacred moment for us with the Lord. You know, and if this is new to you, you, uh, you know, what you hear and what you see may raise questions and you might want more explanation. And so after the service, I'll be up here at the front and uh, altar workers and some of the other pastors will be up here. We'd be happy to explain anything to you after the service. And Lord's Supper, I agree, it's one of those things you kind of have to see it a few times in order to work in an understanding of it. Some things you just don't understand until you see it happen a few times, and this may be like that for you. Some churches observe what, what we would call open communion, which means um, they make the Lord's table available for anybody who calls himself a Christian. At the other end of the spectrum are churches that practice closed communion, and you have to be a member of their congregation in order to partake. We practice what I call close communion. So that means if you're a member in good standing of a church of like faith, meaning a church that preaches the gospel and says you've got to be born again, so like faith and also like practice to ours, meaning they baptized you by immersion because you professed that faith to them, then this table is for you. Second, second, Paul tells us to examine ourselves to see am I worthy? Now, the New Testament ordinances do not carry the Old Testament restrictions because this is not a sacrament. It does not administer grace to you. God administers grace to you through your faith. When you believe the word of God, that is what gets you grace. So this is something spiritual. So if someone partakes who should not, Well, it doesn't mean anything bad. It just means it doesn't have the significance for them that it ought to have. So you don't have to be a member of our church to participate. But I think you should be able to answer these three questions. First, did you decide, have you ever decided to trust Jesus for eternal life and ask God to save you? In other words, do you know that you're born again? Second, were you baptized by immersion at some point after that as a testimony to other believers? So are you a member in good standing of a local church someplace? And third, are you old enough and understand enough to examine yourself in the faith? So I want you to take now the communion packet that we've given you and turn it so that the wafer is at the top. And uh, you can just peel back the small piece of kind of aluminum foil paper at the top. And hold on to that wafer until, until I tell you, and then we'll partake together. Back in Exodus 24, verse 5 says that Moses sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. The second component to worship and the key to personal victory is your submission to God. You say, but Alan, how do I know if, if I've really submitted well, first, and this is letter A, you make a personal presentation, which we see here in verse 5. What are you offering God today? He is a king. I mean, we're coming before a king. We ought to bring a token of praise along with a tithe of our money. I mean, just like Hebrews 13 talks about. 
You know, it talks about those two things linked right there together. Now, I know you won't believe this, but last Sunday, you know, some of our families were sitting around the dinner table and they were complaining about the service. Man, Alan talks too fast. I mean, it's too much information. I can't get it all down. I, I mean, I just don't understand him. And that praise team, they can't even play. I mean, I mean, the, the singers were off key. It was a horrible service. The sermon was too long. So finally, the husband just said, look, you need to just be quiet. What do you expect for five bucks? So I'm just saying, hold on before you laugh. Because tithing is only 10%. I mean, no Christian would be so stingy as not to give God one dime out of every dollar. But God says it's got to come off the top of your income, and it's got to be given to God as the first fruits to show that he is worthy. That's what worship is. And we rebel against that, even though it's such an insignificant amount. Okay, well, maybe that's why you don't have victory. Maybe there's a lack of submission there in your life. And I don't, we don't talk about giving all the time. When God brings it up, well, we kind of talk about it then for a moment. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that it, God wants you to hear right now. Because given current conditions, man, I don't know what the financial markets are going to do. I do not know what our economy is going to do this year, but I think you want to make sure that you're on good terms and God can bless you. Make sure you are not robbing from God. So God wants you to show that you know that all you have actually comes from him. And so maybe the way that you need to examine yourself, this Lord's Supper is, is in that. We want, because here's the deal, here's what, I, here's what I find. We want the greatness of God, and then we just want to give him leftovers. I mean, even, even less than we might give to a, you know, somebody who serves us lunch this afternoon. So we want, we want God to show up, we want him to manifest his power and his glory. We want God to come and rescue us when we are in trouble and yet we want to give to him by our own definition and not by his. So we want all his power, but then we just want to give him, you know, whatever we, th- we think we can afford. And therefore, if the bills are paid and, you know, if we got enough discretionary money and it holds out long enough that we can get a movie and popcorn and barbecue for the Chiefs game, well, then after that, if there's some left over, Well, I'll decide what to give my way, and God will just have to be happy with it. No, listen to me. The missing ingredient for victory in your life is worship. So here's our third point for study. If you want great blessing, you gotta, you gotta bring great worship. You, your life has to show He is worthy. Not, not just your lips. Jesus was the lead worshiper. Because Jesus took the lead. That is why this bread pictures his body broken for us. And the Bible says not a bone of, of his was broken on the cross, but his body is broken apart as we share it together. And it's broken and distributed so that we can be united. So I'm going to ask Brother David Sparks, one of our deacons, if he would stand and lead us in a word of prayer as we partake of the bread.
Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just wanted to thank you first for sending your son. Not, not just to come here to be an example to us, but for the purpose of being a sacrifice sufficient to cover our sin. Lord, thank you. Jesus, thank you for going to a cross, the most indignant way of dying, taking upon my sin and, and all those who are, are my brothers and sisters in you. Thank you for taking that on and then justifying us, making it as, as if we had never sinned, although we know we have. Lord, thank you for walking with us and making us your brothers and sisters. Thank you for your brokenness on the cross. And, and then, Father, thank you for accepting him as a sacrifice. Letting him be the infinite sacrifice because of your infinite value. But also being the scapegoat so that even our guilt is removed from the congregation. For as you've said, you've taken our sin and thrown it as far as the east is from the west. Thank you, Father, for that. And thank you for your, uh, thank you for the sacrifice that we remember today in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 26, verse 26, and we put these verses there on your handout so you can see them, says that as they were eating, so this was the last supper, which Jesus turns into the Lord's Supper by taking bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. So with the broken bread in our hands, let us take eat and remember. God has given so much for us. I think that uh, it's until this moment and until we have this type of opportunity together that we don't always recognize how, how much Jesus gave, what it cost him to give in, in what he did for us. And you know, I remember in the old church, they used to say there are three types of givers. There's the flint, the sponge, and the honeycomb. And any, if you want to get anything out of the flint, you just got to hammer it. And you got to hammer it and hammer it, and then all you get is chips and sparks. And if you want to get anything out of the sponge, you got to squeeze it and squeeze it. And, you know, the more you squeeze, the more you get, but it's grudgingly. But the honeycomb, it overflows in sweetness. So I'm asking that the Lord this year will make us abundant, overflowing believers in this church. So now take, uh, take, take that plastic thing with the elements in it and turn it over and peel back the uh, top so that you can get to the grape juice. Uh, verse 8 of Exodus 24 says that Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. Why can we trust his words? Because he went all the way to blood. So what will define your submission to God? Well, it's the second, letter B, when you give personal consecration. So they made a sacrifice. Some of the blood went on the altar, but some of the blood went on the people. Why? Because fellowship with God comes by one blood. So we are one blood believers. Certainly all humanity is made of one blood coming from Adam. But spiritually, we are one blood, the blood of Christ. 
That's how we get in his family. That's how we change families to God's family and get everlasting life. So when you eat the bread, you are reminded of this picture about your sins crushing him on the cross. But now this fruit of the vine, as the Bible calls it, pictures the blood of Jesus flowing out life for you. You can't even pray except that Jesus is your intercessor. And he stands at the throne of God and, and, and he intercedes on your behalf. And that co- consecration and that communion which turns to worship becomes your orientation to life. We do this, in a, it shouldn't be difficult to understand, we do this in other areas. When you were in elementary school, probably every day, you began your day with the Pledge of Allegiance. And even as an adult today, at most athletic events, before they get going, they press pause and they stop and go through Star Spangled Banner and Pledge of Allegiance. Well, why do we do that? Because it reminds you that you are a citizen of the United States. When you take the Lord's Supper as a believer, it reminds you that you have all the resources of the merit of Christ at your disposal. You know, you're able to put after today, and again, I'm just saying, maybe this is why you don't have victory. You don't understand. Don't understand yet what all this means. But after today, whatever trauma you had of the past goes under the blood. And I understand Satan, between the times we do the Lord's Supper, tries to chip away at that. This is much better than therapy. Because if you don't see the blood of Jesus like that, and if you are so distrustful of God that you will not give give it that much credit, well, you probably deserve whatever ailing thing you are going through. This is the answer to victory. And while Satan chips away, we don't do it just once a year. We do it every fifth Sunday so we can get back to refreshing our knowledge and remembering what he's done for us. You have access to all of the riches of grace that his blood won for you. Back in Matthew 26, verse 28, Jesus says the same thing as Moses. He says, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Your sins crushed the life out of him. An infinite God died on your behalf for all of the immeasurable wickedness you carry inside yourself. But Jesus, right now, we get to go back 20 centuries and put ourselves at that same Last Supper and be walked through the same events as what the early apostles went through, and, and we can see how the completed work of Christ brings us complete salvation. And nothing else can do that. Not penitence, not penance, not the waters of baptism, not religious rites, rituals, or sacraments. So if you know the spiritual reality of your sins being cleansed by the blood of Jesus, you can picture that right now by drinking this cup together with us. So I'm going to ask Brother Ronnie Starks, will you stand and pray and lead us in a word of prayer? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we 
do thank you so very much each day for all that you do for us. We thank you for the shed blood on Calvary, for the remission of our sins. We thank you for saying that you'd never leave us nor forsake us because at this time we need so much. And we need to learn that all we have to do is just pray, believe, and trust that you're going to uh, deliver us through these things that we're going through nowadays. And we'll love you and thank you and give you all the praises, honor, and glory for what you're going to do. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Matthew 26, again, verse 27 says, And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. So now with this fruit of the vine in our hands, drink ye all of it. You know, in the final analysis, when you respond to the invitation when you're willing to make the proper submission of personal presentation and sacrifice and personal consecration and service, then, and this is number three, you experience a public illumination. Watch, verse 9. You want to see God show up? You need to see God show up for you? Verse 9. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel... And no more standoffishness now. They've done the other two steps. The the sacrifice has been made and they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone. And as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw God and did eat and drink. So what did we do here today? Well, Moses and the elders see God and they eat with him on the mount because sharing a meal helps you drop your guard. I mean, sharing a meal together comforts you by saying, look, everything is okay between us. Forget everything that happened on the way to that moment. This meal gives you peace. You've got to root and ground your peace in this meal. You need to find your peace in what we do here together because that puts you at ease in your relationship with Almighty God. And you know, I like that because it's only when they got all the other components of worship right did they get to see God. You know what? I don't want your money. I want you to see God. I don't want your attendance. I want you to see God. I don't want you to be a Baptist. Hello, somebody. I want you to see God. Because when we see God, we worship. And that is why worship is the missing ingredient to your victory. And you know what? Moses and the elders, they didn't see simple God. Verse 10 says, they saw sapphire God. They saw, you go God, that's the God they saw. I mean, they saw the glory of God. If you want to see God show up, then worship. If you want to see a continuous glory, like verse 10 says, as it were a body of heaven, then be involved in continuous worship. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't get around to worship right, don't be surprised if you don't see God getting around to working for you. 
don't, don't be surprised if you don't see his hand answering your prayers and you don't see his power working in your life. Don't be surprised if God is invisible because you won't open your eyes to his worth in worship. You know, God owns everything, so the only thing you can give him is yourself. And you have to give him yourself in worship in such a way that it results in work that accomplishes his purpose for eternity. Did you know that God has an eternal purpose for you? And that's why Jesus offers you everlasting life today. And you receive that life by faith, believing in him for the everlasting life he promises. And I, you know, it brings so many more things. It brings forgiveness of sins. It brings removal of guilt. It is the way that you can put the trauma of the past to rest It's the grace to walk in his ways and follow Christ as his disciple. Don't you want that for yourself? I know you do. Come to Jesus today and get saved. All you have to do is pray. Since it's not based on your works or anything you do, but based in simple trust in what Christ did, all you have to do is pray. And to believe on Jesus means you put the weight of your trust in his finished work to save you. Just pray and tell God that you do that today. Just say, God, save me for Jesus' sake. I trust Jesus today for everlasting life. Here, Jesus, I give you my life. And if you pray that today, Then God puts you in Christ. He puts the Holy Spirit in you and you are saved. Come forward and let us know. So we can take one extra minute to help you take the next steps as a new believer. I want to give you a copy of my book that will just tell you. Next steps for a new believer. If you've accepted Jesus but you've not yet gone all in by proclaiming your faith in baptism, then come forward so we can get you set up to do that in in a couple of weeks on our Super Sunday. If you want to become a member of our church family in a different way, by transfer a letter from another church or statement of faith, then come up and let us know. If you get fed here, you you ought to be a member here. And finally, get involved with us in ministry. Go ahead and stand if you would. Bump elbows with your neighbor. Let's pray before we let the praise team sing us out. Father, I thank you again, Lord, what a great Sunday you've given us, Lord, Uh, and right on the heels of that worship night we had this last Friday, and Father, I just pray nothing will stop the momentum, Lord, give us the grace, give us grace to go through whatever we got to go through this week, lifting high the name of Jesus, putting right out front, in front of others, the fact that we glorify God, whatever you bring our way, we will glorify you through it. We will walk victorious in it because today we've worshiped. We ask it in Jesus' precious and powerful name, amen.